it was just this idea of like, certain foods are bad, certain foods are good. I don't want to show people. And I said, no, I think food freedom is being able to enjoy those foods, but at the end of the day, giving your body with the foods it needs the most. And so I really want, I just want women to feel that because I feel like once they figure out what their relationship with food is, it's like they can remove worth from the situation. They can remove weight from the situation and really start to see food as this beautiful gift designed to make us feel good and allow us our bodies to function the way they should function to do the things and experience the things we want in this world. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I am here to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Last Sunday, I was at my favorite little cafe here in San Diego, Parakeet Cafe, just down the street from my house, drinking my favorite iced matcha with a couple of my dearest friends. And the topic of loving our bodies came up. Honestly, one of my friends just point blank asked, do you love your body? And I remember pausing for a moment and thinking about what my body had been through in the last year alone, from being pregnant to birthing Kingston to postpartum, and now today, over seven months after having Kingston. I did love my body for how it really showed up and carried me through not only this last year, but really throughout my entire life through chronic fatigue, autoimmune conditions, poor lifestyle decisions, because let's be honest, that definitely went down for many, many years. I mean, my body through and through continued to show up for me, but I did not always feel this way. Like many of us, I grew up looking at magazines and Victoria's Secret catalogs filled with very, very thin models, all looking the same. For years in my 20s, I tied my worth to how I looked And because of that, I worked out like crazy and calorie restricted. It was a vicious cycle that wore me down. Have you ever found yourself feeling that your worth is tied to your weight or to what size you wore? Maybe that's something that still comes up for you today. The diet culture that exists in the United States is intense and unhealthy. And I'm not saying that there isn't diet culture in other parts of the world. I can just speak to living here in the U.S., potentially even living here in California. It definitely had me feeling unworthy and really had me in that that crazy hamster wheel of trying to get into the smallest size possible. And what I know to be true is that although shifting our mindset can be challenging, it is such an important part of self-love and self-acceptance. And I know for a fact that each and every one of us are beautiful and amazing and worthy, no matter our size or our weight. To me, health is all about loving our body enough to provide our bodies with healing foods, healing self-care, and healing movement. Really just doing what is right for our bodies and listening to, just listening to what our bodies are needing. And because I feel so strongly that our worth is never tied to our weight and size, I invited Brianna Wilkerson, a dear friend, to share her perspective on how we can unconditionally love ourselves and how we can set ourselves up for success. Now, if you are looking, really quick, I just want to share, for a beautiful way to honor your body daily with some self-care and self-love, because we all deserve it every single day, I have created the most beautiful daily self-care journal, and it is the perfect way to make this happen. It is literally designed to fill out 
five minutes every morning, and it prompts you to intentionally create and set the tone for your day so that your day is happening for you, not to you, so that your day unfolds for you. So if you've been looking for a tool that aligns you with living your best life, this is it. And did I mention that it's designed to be quick, potent, and easy? Because that's how I love to operate in this world. Now, I will have the link in the show notes for you to go and grab it. And I always want to advise you to grab three copies. And I have them at a massive discount when you grab three so that you can gift a couple to some of your best friends. That is what I love to do. When I find a journal that I really, really love and that resonates with me, I love to gift as many copies as possible. And I've done that over the years. I think I've gifted one of my favorite journals, including this one. I've probably gifted dozens and dozens of copies out there because it has made such a huge impact on my life. So I will have the link in the show notes for this episode 289. You can go and grab it when you get a chance. And let's dive in to this amazing conversation with Brianna. But before we do that, I want to quickly sing her praises. Brianna Wilkerson is a holistic coach and life coach, wife and mama, chai tea lover, and at-home CrossFitter. She helps women find peace with food, feel confident in their bodies again, and develop a healthy lifestyle that's more than just their weight. You can find Brianna hanging out at more than your weight women's community on Facebook and on Instagram. It is madewell345. All right, let's dive in to this beautiful conversation with Brianna Wilkinson. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast. Brianna, honey, how are you doing today, girl? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me here. I am so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be having this conversation about worth about our worth as women. And not only that, but that our worth is so much more than the number on the scale. Mm. Let's go into this. Now, before we get into this topic, and I know everyone's like, ooh, 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 ooh. (laughs) Am I ready for this conversation? Right? Because our worth so often is predicated on how, how young we look, how thin we are, everything. And you and I both know that our worth is so much more than that. Now, I have a feeling that there was a time where maybe your worth was predicated on something more than just you being you. Mm-hmm. So Brianna, honey, talk to me about what was the impetus for, for doing this work in the world? Yeah, you know, I think just like any teenage girl, it started for me in my teenage years where your, your body's changing, you're trying to find your place in the world. And I started playing sports. So naturally started playing sports, started changing what I ate a little bit and I lost weight. And I didn't really think I had a weight problem before. And I still don't think I did, but I got noticed and I got affirmed a lot. So my mind started thinking I'm a 14, 15 year old. Hey, when I am smaller, I get this attention and therefore I feel like I belong more. Feel like I'm worth something, a little bit more value. And so that kept going and kept going until a huge change happened in my life where hurricane from the Cayman Islands. So a hurricane hit very common in the Caribbean and that just caused a lot of change. And so I lived with my grandparents for a while. My friends went away from school and I just wanted to control something. So what I knew to control at the time was how much I ate and how much I exercised. And so I it became obsessed with it. Just was exercising all the time, barely eating, lost my period, got really tiny and was actually very unhappy. But I remember friends then saying to me, you're too skinny. And I just was like, what? I can't, I can't get a break here. One minute I'm too big, one minute I'm perfect, one minute I'm too small. 
But I'm really grateful that I did have friends and family and teachers in my life because I was very unhealthy and saw a nutritionist and she recommended that I see a child psychologist at the same time because I think she could see it wasn't about the food. It was about something else going on in my in my life. And I didn't because I just was like, I'll eat, I'll gain weight, everyone's happy. Fast forward to the end of high school, I was up to be valedictorian and I started to find my worth, not just in my weight, but my work, what I do. And I still struggle with that to this day. And I got stressed out. And so I went to food for comfort. So what what happened is not only did I gain the weight back, I gained the shame and guilt. Like, hey, how did I once be able to handle food so well? And now I can't. Now I just want to eat all the time. And so I just kept going. That's when the diet cycle started. That's when I was like, okay, I'm going to go find a diet, lose my weight quick, then I'll feel great. But I never did. But so then I gained it back. So um, college came around. I think I was just tired. And for me, I really, really connected with my faith then and just started to see, oh my gosh, I'm worth so much more than I'm giving myself credit for. And that's when things started to change one small thing at a time. I started to not find my identity in what grade I got or the size of my pants or anything. And I just started to invest in the things in my life that mattered, my relationships, my own well-being started to really change what I ate, not so that I could see a change in the scale because it made me feel good. And, you know, that's been the case for the last 12, 13 years where over time I'm still on, I would say I'm a recovering like diaholic. I don't know what the word is, (laughs) just still having to recover over the mindset around that my worth is in my weight. And even as a, you know, a new mom, baby 11 months postpartum, that was something I really had to remember because I thought, okay, weight's just going to go right back like that. The bounce back girl, the, 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 you know, the, the Instagram all over the place, right? Everyone, the bounce back. Where you're Mm -hmm. like, stomach is flat. And I just have to keep reminding myself that my worth is not in my weight or it's not in the size, shape or scale number I'm at. And I had to just keep remembering that. And so that was kind of the start. You know, I was an accountant. I'm a trained accountant and CPA. But as I was doing that, um, you know, early my early 20s, I started to get a sense that something was, you know, I was having this huge experience of transformation and healing that I was meant to do something else. And so I got my health coaching certification and I just remember sitting down with my first client, not really knowing what I'm fully doing, but talking with her. And I said, my goodness, I'm meant to do this. Just hearing your story, hearing how you're struggling, I can offer a little support. So that was five years ago. And here I am now still doing it and loving it. Mm, I, I love so much your story. And I think for so many of us, as as we're listening to you, a lot of it started in our teenage years. You know, we're looking at the Shape magazine, the Self magazine, the Cosmopolitan. And like you said, no, it's someone like when people noticed you is when you were, you know, you were controlling the exercise, probably over exercising and, and uh, under eating. I, you know, I don't know exactly what that was. And then noticing that people were determining your worth and you were determining your worth that way and and what that journey looked like getting into our, our 20s. And what was really fascinating to me listening to your story is how much of a transformation you had so at so at such a young age. I'm like, oh my goodness, there are women who are still working this out, you know, is still trying to figure out that transformation. Although you were very candid in that this is this is the work that we're always doing. I know that when I was on your podcast, More Than Your Weight, not that long ago, we were talking about, you know, how our worth is usually tied to something else, tied to our productivity, tied to our accomplishments, tied to our weight, tied to our youth, you know, tied to how we show up as as women taking care of people and, you know, how that can really get convoluted 
and mess things up for us. Speak to me about, as you are serving women, what were some of the shifts and changes that really helped you You know that you were just great, you were worthy, just who you were? Yeah, I think it's when I started to yeah realize that no matter what happens with my weight or how good I am at something, how successful I am at, at, a, at my business or anything, there are still people in my life that love me and care about me and actually could care less about. They're like, oh, you run a business? <laughs> like, I mean, sometimes I'm like, yeah, that's the most, one of the most important things in my life. I wish you would. But at the same time, I'm like, thank you that I'm not just that to you. I'm not just this to you. And so even my husband, he's such an amazing guy. Just, he's always reminding me like, I could care less about what size you are. I could care less about what you do in this world. Like, I just love you for you. And that's hard for me. So sometimes I'm like, what do I do that makes you feel special? Or what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And he's like, it's just who you are. And even friends and family and even my goodness, past bosses, just like, it's just who you are. And I'm like, but what is that? Because I want to, I want to keep repeating that. So they keep loving me or they keep, you know, like find that place to belong. And that's just what's hard for us. Right. Because we've been told our worth is in our weight, our body, how it looks, what, what, whether it fits a certain standard, our work, not just like career, but just like what we do for other people. That could even be a volunteer job and how you serve. But we've also been told it's in our wealth, um, maybe not as much as maybe men, but like how much money you have, how you use your money. But then in our relationships, just like we are such relational beings that often I feel like we can find our worth. And is everyone in my relationship circle happy with me? Am I keeping everyone in a good standing? So those things like I, I've really had to wrestle with, but I think for me, it's always the reminder of coming back to someone who loves me and just being honest, like saying, Hey, I am really struggling with feeling like my body is awesome. Or I'm really struggling to feel like I'm successful as a business owner. Can you just like tell me some truth or talk me through it. So that honesty and vulnerability, it, it's scary sometimes, right? It's even scary to talk about it now, but it's in those moments that I'm allowing people to love me and support me and speak truth over my life. Sometimes I have to do this every day. Sometimes it's once a week, but I think just knowing that I'm not alone really has helped me go on that constant transformation by having mentors and friends that are constantly speaking truth into my life. I was going to say, yeah, because I know so often, you know, that great, I love that question of like, well, what is it about me? What is it the thing, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working it all out. And it, we can absolutely ask the people that who love us the most, like, what are the things that they love about us? You know, and it could be that frame, like the things that you love about me, let's, let's focus on, let's focus on that one. Right. Yes. Um, yes. And then even maybe a prompt to write down what we love about ourselves. I think so often we don't even know what we love about ourselves. Like we haven't done that exploration, you know, and when we're constantly being confronted with the scale or with the clingy clothes that don't seem to fit or the jeans we can't seem to get into, oh, yeah. <laughs> that can be the thing that's disruptive. It's the thing that like, ugh, it just kind of wears on us. And if we don't have on the other side of the coin, the things that, oh, look at how great my eyes are. Look at this smile. Look at how I have the energy and the strength to take care of my family. You know, whatever that may be, the, the things that, that, you, that you own that, that really can define your worth. I think so often we hadn't been told to do that. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. You know, I, I, I recently got a copy of your daily self-care journal and I've been doing it. And I think it's, I've been challenged too, just like 
oh, what are the things, how do I want to feel? And particularly with that question, often I would say, when anyone asks me that, I say, I want to feel successful or confident, but I've been really challenged by the way you've set it up to be like, how do I want to feel with myself actually? So this week, like, I want to feel just like cared for. I want to feel nourished. And so, you know, when you have those questions of how are you going to nourish yourself through healing foods and oils? And I'm like, oh yeah, I need to make time for that because that's important, right? So yeah, and you made a comment about like, us looking at ourselves and saying, this is what I love about my body. There's this great book called When Women Stop Hating Their Bodies that really challenges that. Like what would happen if we really stopped hating our bodies? Like what, how would we show up in the world? What would we do differently? And I had this client the other day who was just saying like, she's like, if I was stopped, she's in her, she's in her like perimenopause, menopause phase, which, you know, the skin changes, everything changes. And she's just having to wrestle with her body of like the changes and she's like, you know, if I wasn't as concerned with my body, I would be able to go talk up there because she's writing a book. She's like, I would be able to go talk about my book, talk with someone. And rather than be concerned with what they're seeing and when they look at me, be concerned with what they're saying. And I just was like, that's powerful because you would be present with her. You would, you know, guide her. But we're so concerned, like what people think about us, but people aren't thinking about us. They're thinking about themselves. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> it is about them. It's just the way right. it is because right. we're all caught up in it. That's powerful. That is such a great thing to think. Like if I could like take away the concern around my worth about how I look and everything, I could do more to show up in, in how I do. And I, I love, I thank you so much for mentioning the journal. I have it right. I have a little, little copy right here, but that is how I wrote it was like, how do we set the tone for our day? How do we get to orchestrate what we want for ourselves? And, and I think that's not the question. It's the questions, you know, so the woman's podcast, I know yours is too, you know, it's, it's the things we're not asking ourselves every single day that we're not giving ourselves permission to like, how do I want this day to look? How do I want to show up in the world? How do I want to have a good time in the world? And when we are so caught up in how everyone is a, a measuring our worth, when they're not even doing so, it can really keep us from doing the really, the really awesome things, the really big things. And like you said, the presence, we were talking about that before we started the, the podcast is how we can become more present and really savor everything that we're in right now. Like I'm savoring this conversation. I'm savoring your brilliance right now, Brianna, honey, because that's what life is all about. Yeah. Now what's on the scale, right. now what is on the scale. So let's talk about, cause you know, one of the things that you had brought up in your journey as well is the emotional piece of it all, the controlling of things in, in, and talk to me, you know, I knew you work with so many women and we, we, we tie food to, I deserve this, that glass of wine. I deserve that. I earned this glass of wine. Or when we are, you know, I know even I can fall into this too of like, okay, my thing is out. We did the thing, right? Where's the sexy dinner? Where's the sexy dessert? Or when we are feeling down on ourselves, or we feel like we need to control something, right? The food, the exercise. Talk to me about the emotional component that you see so often in how we take care of our bodies, how we eat, the foods that we're choosing. I know this is a big part of, of what you're helping women navigate as well. Yeah. So I think there's many reasons that drive us to eat. I think some of the, when you mentioned it, celebration, like that's just common in a lot of different cultures. I know in the Caribbean culture, we have a party for everything and I just love it. And so what do you do at a party? You bring food, you have dancing, <laughs> you drink, you know, 
And that's great. But I think it's when it's constantly like you're just wanting food all the time to celebrate all the time and you're choosing foods that aren't nourishing you over the long term. That's when it's a problem. Right. So celebration comfort. Comfort's a huge one. Right. And we've seen a lot of that, particularly with this pandemic, where there's just a lot of changes that is causing a lot of you even talk about this in your book, different sort of stressors. Right. Whether it's emotional, mental, physical, past stressors that we just want something to kind of take that away and food. And you know, this, you talk about this, it does have a, this physiological biological effect on you that will make you feel good when you eat certain foods, like in your brain and in your body. So your brain remembers, Hey, when you were stressed out or feeling sad, you had this, this piece of cake and you felt good for 10 minutes. So you want to feel good for 10 minutes. Right. So comfort from whatever situation but then also i think craving nourishment like we're craving nourishment not just in our bodies we may be lacking nutrients and stuff but also like in our life so when i feel like if me and my husband have gone like a couple weeks without having a really good conversation i feel like i'm lacking something because there's someone that i'm so connected to see every day but i don't really feel connected to right and so i'm craving nourishment in the sense I'm craving what what we would call it primary food those things outside of our plate that feed us and that might be your career that might be relationships it might be your spirituality and so lack of feeling nourished in those areas could drive us to eat as well but then also because of how the diet or health industry has portrayed certain foods we have a certain relationship with food we all do whether it be you know food is fuel which we all want it to be it's something that nourishes us gives me life is healing but for many of us, it's like a friend. It's And that goes with the comfort part, right? It's something that I can rely on. Maybe, you know, like my family's not there when I need them to be, or no one's around because of maybe this pandemic. And friend, food's always there. So it feels good. It feels like it's around. It's a friend. And that's how my relationship was with food towards the end of high school, where it was, I was stressed out. And so food was the thing I ran to. Or it could be a foe. It could be your enemy. And that's that was at the beginning of my story where I felt like food caused me to be heavier or not loved. And so I don't want to eat it. I don't want to eat anything that I had a, someone in my life tell me, like, I don't want to eat anything that tastes good because it's going to make me gain weight. I'm like, what? I eat healthy foods all the time and I love it, you know, but it's just that mentality, too. And so we have all these emotions attached to food that may drive us to do things with food and view food a certain way. And so it's just really about analyzing, like in a particular instant, you can't analyze your whole life and whole life eating patterns, but you know, if you, you track your food and your emotional and mental component connected to the food when for a week, you're going to start to see, Oh, I just finished my book launch. It's like, I want a glass of wine, whatever. Right. And that's fine. But it, then you just sit like, Oh, do I want to do that all the time? I launch a book, you know, that sort of stuff. Just like you're able to make better decisions that nourish you and support you on an ongoing basis from that point of view. That's a lot to unpack. The one area I want to focus on, you know, especially through this pandemic, because we're not, we're, we're still in it, right? We're right. not, we're we not are. on the other side of this. And, and I don't know, I mean, there's, there's just, it's a new normal that we're cultivating. And I don't exactly know what that new normal is looking like for everyone right now. But I do know that it has hit everyone in a really big way. And we're, we're seeing it, we're seeing it in terms of poor health outcomes. So let's t- I want to talk specifically about food as comfort. You know, I, I see this across the board where everything, things are tough, people are burnt out, they're exhausted, they're stressed. And like you said, it's the one thing that they know. It's the one thing that they can turn to 
And unfortunately, at times, if it's a thing that we go to over and over and over again, could lead to more physiological concerns down the road. How do we begin to navigate that, Brianna? Like, that's a big one that I see even with people very, very, very close to me. I see that happening so often. Yeah. You know, I was, you've been on a bunch of different calls recently, and I just was talking with someone who's 67 year old and and we're talking about emotional eating, talking about the stress, the burnout, the comfort. And it was just so heartbreaking because she broke down and she said, I've been struggling with this for decades. And I sat there as, you know, a 30 something year old talking to someone who's like, I guess the age of my grandma and just being like, my heart broke because it's like decades of, of feeling like, you know, food is, food is controlling you versus you being able to control it. Right. And I think, you know, if you've been struggling with something, whether a year or decade or, you know, a year during this pandemic or longer, it's not going to be solved in one program. It's not going to be solved in one, you know, one year, even it's going to take time. But I think the first the couple steps you could do is just really asking yourself every single time you're sitting to eat, why am I eating? You know, am I really hungry? It's this, this acronym. A lot of um, people in this industry use halt, like stop. Am I hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? And obviously there's a lot of other emotions, but if you're hungry enough to eat like grilled fish with no seasoning, steamed broccoli, you know, I mean, those are great, but like, they're not necessarily the foods you're going to eat when you're really craving something. Yeah, and that's emotional. eat to live food right, right. there. <laughs> you're hungry, so go and eat. But if you're like angry about a situation that happened only, if you're feeling lonely, you're feeling tired, tired and stressed out. I know like as a new mom, I'm like, I've had to ask myself, like, are you really hungry? Are you just tired because of the nature of your life right now? And had to catch myself where you just ate a couple hours ago. And so that burnt out, whether it be emotional, mental is a huge one. But I think asking yourself that question, then asking yourself, okay, is food really going to help me in this moment feel really better now and long-term? Or is there something else that I can do? takes a little self-control that takes a little time you might do that and then nine times out of ten you do well and you don't give into the food but then that one time you do and you feel guilty about it I have an episode on my podcast that says when you emotionally eat because it might happen right you don't have to be perfect but it's like taking that experience and learning from it giving grace for yourself and saying oh whenever this bad whenever I do work on this project at work this I feel this way so, you know, when you go work on that project, how am I going to arm myself with what you would call self-care rituals? Like, how can I like just have my oils around me or like have some breathing exercises ready to go so that I don't do that later and feel bad about it later? So it's really being proactive and mindful from the before you eat or give into a craving, but also giving yourself space to like learn and allow yourself to experiment in which of those exercises like support you. Mm, okay. So that first step, I love the question checking in with yourself before you sit down or before you head into the kitchen, before you head into the pantry and the refrigerator. Are you so hungry that you would eat grilled fish without seasoning and some broccoli? <laughs> yes. Or I know that another question is, would you just, would, would, would you eat an apple? You know, would that, would those be the options? And if it's a no, then maybe having some things in your Rolodex that you can run through and say, okay, what else can I do right now to help support what I'm, what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then as you would talk about too, like when you've been stressed out for a long time, your cortisol levels are just all your hormone levels are really off. And so there might be something physically that you really need and that, that keeps popping up and you keep seeking out that new nutrients, nourishment, 
trying to fix it in food that's not really helping it long term. And so there's a lot of work to do around that. Just like, how can you just reduce one, reduce your daily stress? Like, and this is an exercise I love to give clients too. It's just list all your stressors and then ask yourself, which ones do you, can you eliminate, reduce and cope? Because I think often we think stress, like it's just natural. We're always going to be stressed. Oh, I'm so busy, girl. I got so much going on on my plate. And you're like, yeah, that's true. But we're not meant to live really stressful lives because our bodies actually can't handle it. So every time I do this personally, I'm like, oh, I can eliminate that stress. Meaning if I've been stressed out about sending an email or talking to someone about something, it's like, well, or filing your taxes, it's like, just do it. And then you can eliminate it, right? Or maybe there's certain things going on that it's just going to be the nature of the, the, the particular situation. But how can you reduce that through whether it be like breathing exercises or, you know, one of the things us women need is to ask for more help, right? You know, I, I recently asked a friend, hey, can you watch my daughter two couple hours a week just so that I could either sleep, work, or just have some space? And I reduce the stress of just always having to watch her. Don't get me wrong. I love doing it by just asking for support. And then what things do you need to just cope with? Right. So again, I have an 11 month old that her sleep schedule is sometimes great, sometimes not. She's always changing and developing. So there's a little bit of stressors there, like trying to keep up. But how can I cope with that by, again, asking for help, making sure I'm nourishing myself, making sure that when she's finally asleep, I'm not burning the midnight candle working and just really, you know, resetting those hormone levels as well. And so that's another great practical exercise to be proactive with versus just in the moment. Mm. Mm, I love the proactivity. I think that that really sets us up for success so that we don't find ourselves in that emergency moment and feel like we don't have resources to turn to. We don't have other things that we can swap out. I think that is so, so powerful. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Like we have to ask, we have to look at our day-to-day life, you know, and what can we outsource? What, What needs to be prioritized and what can we just let go of? You know, there's a good chance that there's things that we don't need to hold on to, which is great. You know, I know we've been told that we've got to, we got to do all the things, do all the, you know, all the things for everybody. And if you look, if you start to look at what really, really, really matters to you. I think getting clarity on that is so important too. And you realize some of that, you may not even like doing some of it, you know, and maybe you can just let that go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. And then of course, I think another one that you and I both love and you're, you're like such an expert and I'm like, I love your books. I'm like, oh my gosh, all she has all these essential oil, like recipes in there is essential oils and just how that really does help your mind, body, and soul. And so you have tons of great blends in your, your books and stuff. And just, I think those, I think a lot of people, well, I'm going to be honest, when I first got introduced to essential oils, I was like, yeah, it's great. It's going to make me feel great when I want to sleep. But then I really studied and I learned the power of them. And, you know, experienced them in my daily life. And I just was like, why, how, how can I have not been using these oils for so long? And so I think what other tools, oils are one of them, but, you know, it might be some supplements. It might be eating good, nourishing food. Like what are some other tools that other people, you know, here on your podcast or other people have shared with you that might be really good to have in your arsenal, like your stress reducing kit, when you're feeling burnt out, when you're feeling tired that you can just run to to really kind of give you that boost of like energy or just deal with what's going on. 
I agree. So when I was in high school, because you know a lot of so much of it starts um, after school, I would have a diet Pepsi and a York peppermint patty because the York peppermint patty, although it had sugar in it, didn't have a lot of calories in it. That is real talk. And so I got used to for many years. You know, this is when I was eighteen, so my metabolism very different than today, girl. And then in heights in college, and then even at work around three o'clock, I would get my little slump because I was a stressaholic, and I would need something to nourish me. Right. And it was always in the form of caffeine and sugar. Always, always, always. And it was a habit. It was, it was, it was definitely not my best habit. That's for sure. And I ultimately I had to check in. I had to do a major gut check and say, okay, one, why am I depleted at this age? What can actually heal up the mitochondria or my cells so that I don't feel so depleted? And then, you know, it, when I am feeling that burnout, when I am feeling that stress, what is a swap? What is what is another ritual or habit that I can bring in that isn't isn't causing detriment to my endocrine system and to my overall energy levels because that habit wasn't doing me any favors. Like you were talking about that that short term ten minute gain, you know whether it's an emotional gain or it's an energy gain. But what what's happening? What is the deficit on the back end? And so I remember having to do a swap of, you know, the thing that <laughs> it was eventually it was the kind bar and the cappuccino, you know, and like, okay, how do I swap this out? And it can be essential oils. It can be so many things. Do you help people come up with a tool kit, a tool set that they can swap out for, you know, again, these are also often for us, Brianna, honey, they're habits. That yeah, we've got to totally find a way to break that we got and that we've got to swap out. I was I like I like to I'm not gonna I like to use languaging around swapping versus you that's gotta go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's even the idea of like, you know, um, one of the concepts I learned when I was getting my certification was crowding out by adding in. So rather than focusing on like I need to stop having the diet Pepsi or I need to stop having the York peppermint patty, which by the way, Pop Tarts and Diet Coke was my thing. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, <laughs> confession there. Um ran to the vending machine all the time in college, but what can we add in? So versus saying like, I'm just going to stop doing that at 3 p.m. You're like, okay, maybe I could use my oils or maybe I could have a tea or maybe I could just drink a cup of water or go for a five minute walk outside as a break. And when you add certain things in your, your, your mind, your, your schedule can only do so much. So you crowd certain things out. And so, yeah, that's the only way to swap a habit is to bring in a new one. And so that's going to kind of some of the things that I help um, people think through too. And we start small. So we can't like, you might have many, if you're a stressaholic or if you like to feel really stressed and burnt out, you're going to have a lot of different things that might need to be swapped and changed, but just try one at a time, keep being consistent. And then we'll try another one at a time and add in another tool over time till at the end, that's what makes change sustainable, right? So much, so often we're trying to just do an overhaul and but what after the 30 days, what after the like six months, you know? So by doing one step at a time, it becomes ingrained in your life. Mm, I love that. One more question before I want to talk a little bit about mindset, but one more question about that. When it comes to creating the swaps, you know, because I know so many people are like, yeah, it's set and good. I know I got to swap these. I know I shouldn't be drinking this diet, this big old diet Pepsi every single day. I know I probably shouldn't be eating these Reese's peanut butter cups every single day. I definitely know I shouldn't probably be eating that popcorn at 10 o'clock at night, but I don't know how to swap things out. And I want it to feel good, you know, because it's this is these are the feel good things for me. And this is the, my favorite feel good thing, but, and I need something that feels just as good as this thing right here. 
how do we walk women through that? You know, how do, do we create a feel good list? Do we create like a calorie free feel good list? What are some of the steps that you recommend here? Cause I think so often women are like, I don't even know what else that's going to make me feel good. Yeah. I think one of the things that has been helpful, at least for me, or even the women that I've served is just maybe not go cold Turkey. So for example, like you drink a diet Coke every single like day, maybe it's every other day. Or, you know, I've even done this with like when I used to add sugar to my coffee or whatever, it's like, okay, Mel, maybe every other day I could have add sugar to it. Or maybe every other day I could have a coffee and then slowly changing it out. And then maybe it's in the day in between is where you have something else. And so you still kind of, and that way you can kind of experiment. So when I had the Pepsi and York peppermint patty, I felt this way. But then when I had the green smoothie with matcha, it's like, I felt this way. And then okay, so which one do I want to feel more? And uh, yeah, so I feel like that helps me is like presenting both options and then saying, okay, analyzing how did you feel when you had those overall? Real talk. I love that. Uh, you know, like testing out the swap and really getting honest with yourself about how you felt, how you feel that next day, you know, like, is that wine, how are you feeling with that wine the next day? How are you feeling with that wine five hours from now? Is it really serving? And then, you know, the exchange is, you know, you have the soda water, you have the rooibos tea and like how, how, how are you feeling that day, you know, on the next day? I love, love, love that. So funny. Cause I was thinking about, you know, I cut out diet Pepsi or diet Coke. I forget which, I forget which one it was when I was 24 years old when I heard that it literally like, like it sucks the bone out of you. I was like, oh my goodness, osteoporosis. I do not want that. And I've never had a soda again in my, um, I, we have uh, LaCroix and soda waters and Pellegrinos and the, and my husband and I call them sodas. And my mom (laughs) is just offended. She's like, sodas? These are not sodas. And occasionally I'll go to my mama's house and she'll have her little, her one little, like her little, I think it's Coke. Usually it's like a Coke. And she's been nursing this Coke for like five days. (laughs) I was like, it's not even fizzy. It hasn't been. been, (laughs) And she's like, don't you touch my soda. She always, when I come over, she hides it in the back of the fridge. She cracks me up. It makes me laugh. It's just funny. The, the reframe around all these things. And it's just a giggly moment for me because like the beautiful thing is, is that you, you and I can really speak into this 100%. You can crowd these things out and you can sub them in for something super, super sexy, super yummy. Right. And also my favorite thing about that is how do I want to feel? How do I want to show up the next day? I remember when I was in practice, I would have a couple cocktails, you know, with some friends. And then I'd have patients at nine o'clock in the morning and I would feel, I'm not going to lie, it would be a little fuzzy at 8 a.m. And I'm like, is this how I want to show up? And this is how I want to feel for my patients? Is how I want to feel for my family this next day? You know, and and that was the question that was a real a real turnaround question for me because I was like, I want to feel better. I want to feel better not I want to feel better for me first and foremost because this isn't this isn't serving. I don't I don't like that I can't even think straight right now. But then also, I thought, you know, how do I want to show up for the people that I promised to show up for? Mm-hmm. You know, and that was a major, a major shifting moment for me. Yeah. You know, with what you're saying too, it's kind of like, and this can go down to like, whether it's the mindset work or self-care where 
if I personally, I've seen this too with my daughter. It's like, this is someone who's, who's needing me so much in this season. And if I am not eating well or sleeping or I'm stressed out, or I'm not taking the time to do the things that really give me self-care, I don't feel well. And it shows I'm way quicker to be like, don't talk to me or whatever. <laughs> not to yeah, her, snippy, but like, snappy. and I'm like, Whoa, I was usually really good at handling my, like when I'm like feeling anxious or like snippy snappy. And, and I just realized it's because I've just literally, I'm on call. I'm on call. We're on call 24 <laughs> seven. And so I need to make sure I'm nourishing myself in the ways that I need. And that primary way is what I'm putting in my body as well. And not just being concerned with her now that she's eating food, like, okay, I'm to make sure she has her fats, her proteins, her carbs. It's like, no, I need to make sure I have my fats, my proteins, my carbs so that I feel good. And then I can be present mom for her and also just take care of myself and her in the process. I love that so, so much. Yeah. Like the reflection of people, I always tell, you know, I always tell people, you know how, you know, you're stressed because you, so often we don't know, watch the reflection in you and other people, you know, and, and see how they're responding. And that'll give you a really great sense of what's going on with you. And it's just kind of like, yeah, how do we, how are people seeing us, you know? And, and I think that it's, I mean, again, I think we're talking about worth today and how loving up on ourselves and that first being the foremost, like, how do I want to feel? How do I want to love my body today? You know, how do I want to, how do I want to feel tomorrow morning based on the choices that I'm making today? And that is about you. You're the common denominator on all of these things, career, family, relationships, money, all of the, it starts with you first. And it's, it starts with that, that inner worth. And and we're making decisions every day where we're choosing habits into based on how much we're loving ourselves. And I, I just love, and then how we can see that, you know, outwardly show up in the, in the people that we really want to serve and take care of. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to pivot a little bit because I'm really excited about this journal that you have, the Food Freedom Journal, because I think so often one of the, I love this, I love food freedom. I know today that so many people have never experienced it because we we have addictions to food. Food, unfortunately, is addictive. It, you know, there are, there are scientists and industries that are literally dedicated to us being addicted to Pop-Tarts. Girl, yes. I was addicted to Pop-Tarts. So I'm not yes. uh-huh. <laughs> Pop-Tarts, chocolate ice cream, coffee, all the things, right? They, they are, they are, they're literally created in that way. And to have true food freedom, ooh, it is so profound. It's so powerful. And you have this gorgeous food freedom journal. Talk to me about what was the impetus? And, I, and, and I'm so excited because we get to, it's a free, it's a free gift. I'm so excited for this. Yeah. So I think as I started really reflecting on the work I did, like, as I, you know, when you start your business or start anything, you're like, I just want to help people. And I don't quite know the words or what I'm doing. I just started to see that there's a pattern. This stuff we're talking about, it's women coming to me wanting to lose weight, but really starting to see that, oh, I'm defining my worth in my weight. And it's tied to then it's affecting my relationship with food. And so I just saw that there were seven areas that we all have a relationship with the impact or food freedom, you know, your relationship with diets, your weight, food, your body, yourself, exercise. Even I've heard a lot of people tell me that like they exercise because they ate this. And so there's a, there's a, there's a relationship you have with food and exercise and then how we handle our emotional health. And so this journal is just really, there's an exercise to help you identify which of those seven you really need to focus on in the beginning because we don't need to do them all. But then there's just six or five, five or six questions to really just help you can print it off and write out reflecting on 
When did I first go on a diet and why? When did I first step on the scale? How did that make me feel? When did I begin to see that that was important? And that just will really help you start to see where you're at and kind of which areas you need to work on going forward to figure out whatever your definition of food freedom is. So for me, it's being able to enjoy the foods I, I want to eat but also eat the foods I know I need to eat and feel shame or guilt about neither of them. So I remember, you know, I'm from the Cayman Islands, really small country. And I was a health coach. So people would see me in the supermarket and like hide their cart. And I'm like, it's okay. It's a Saturday. I'm here getting gluten-free brownies, cook with some ice cream. What are you getting? But it was just this idea of like, certain foods are bad. Certain foods are good. I don't want to show people. And I said, no, I think food freedom is being able to enjoy those foods, but at the end of the day, giving your body with the foods it needs the most. And so I really want, I just want women to feel that because I feel like once they figure out what their relationship with food is, it's like they can remove worth from the situation. They can remove weight from the situation and really start to see food as this beautiful gift designed to make us feel good and allow us our bodies to function the way they should function to do the things and experience the things we want in this world. Mm, So, so well put. And I will have the link for the Food Freedom Journal inside of the show notes. Now, Brianna, honey, besides the podcast, where else, and the journal, I'm going to get that journal, um, besides the podcast, more than your weight, where else do you want us to plug into? Yeah, I'm on Instagram all and then all the social media handles at madewell345, but I hang out in my Facebook group the most, um, the More Than Your Weight Women's Community. So it's just, it's just an extension, a private space where you can unpack all of this, ask me questions, do free challenges from time to time. So that's where I hang out the most. Mm-mm-mm. Love it. Well, we'll have all the links there for everyone to check you out. Definitely go and grab the journal. We all need some food freedom in our lives at 100%. And I love that, you know, figuring out what lever to pull first is so, so critical. And you have given us permission to figure out what that is and then take that next first step. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. These are the conversations that I feel like we need to be having more often with our girlfriends, our family, even our daughters. Because when we can begin to focus on our health rather than our weight, things shift in such a powerful way. Now, if you are ready to break free from emotional eating and longing to finally find peace with food and create a strong mindset and habits that help you start believing that you and your body are more than enough right now, I want to invite you to grab Brianna's Food Freedom Journal. This is literally for you. In the Food Freedom Journal, Brianna is going to take you through seven steps to take stock and reflect on where your mindset and habits are and how to begin to shift those in a beautiful and powerful way. Now, I'm going to have the link for the Food Freedom Journal inside of the show notes for this episode 289. And not going to lie, I think both her journal and my journal, they are beautiful companions. So I'm going to have the link for mine as well. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Essentially You podcast. If you are loving this episode or the episodes that are happening here, be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast so that more women can find this and become the CEO of their health. Now, coming up this Friday, I'm super excited about this topic because it is important when it comes to estrogen metabolism. And that is why pooping every day is crucial for women's hormone balance. Until then, have an amazing week. And I hope that you are just loving up in the summer vibes. See you soon.